You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Welcome, Sid Talk, to After the Show, number 172. Not 172. <laughs> what are you talking about? The reason I'm saying that wrong is because the a week ago, I... Uh, Two weeks ago. I said it was... Yeah, see, there you go. <laughs> I uh, got the n- number of the show wrong because I hadn't changed it. So if you're listening, if you listen to that one and thought, "Where the hell did that other one go?" We're actually on track this week. This is 413. I'm gonna make a bold statement here, but I'm pretty sure no one's probably paying attention. Bet somebody to noticed number. that. Nah, because if you've numbered the file right on all your things, yeah. I did number everything right apart from what I said. So on all the podcasts you listen to this week. You would be able to tell me after you're done what episode it was without li- without reading the description. No. Exactly. Nobody cares I'm just, except for you. you. Know, housekeeping. <laughs> oh, my God. So what's the before the after the show discussion? Oh, you just whining about that format no, of No, before that. We were talking about... Um, <laughs> well, that was it. You were No, whining? we were talking about before that. Chair? No. Before that. Your memory is not the greatest. It's not my memory, really. It's just about how close I'm paying attention at the time. What was it? <laughs> uh, um, well, this movie we talked about. Yes. We did. <laughs> we Our chairs. A- yes. But tell me. Give me a clue. <laughs> what? <What's laughs> <that>? <laughs> what was it? Tell me. I really don't know. Right. Tell me. We talked about this movie. We were talking about the real story. I of said that. Movie. We talked about this movie and you, you said did, no. You did say that, yeah. Then why the fuck are you trying to confuse me? It's bad <laughs> enough. Uh <laughs> So funny. All right, so it is Saturday, February the 6th. This is after the show number 413. The movie we're looking at this week is Bridge of Spies, nominated for six Oscars in this year's Oscar ceremony thing. This is a 2015 movie. It's released on Blu-ray on the 2nd of February, so you can pick it up now. It's PG-13, and it's from our friends at Touchstone and Disney. And Sid Talk, give us a synopsis of the movie Bridge of Spies. Mm. In 1957, an insurance lawyer is asked by his firm and the CIA to help negotiate, not negotiate yet, um, to defend, in quotations, a guy who had been accused of being a Russian spy. Yes. And from there it goes, it's like spies and... A bridge. Yeah, I mean... That era was full of spies and espionage. I mean, this era is full of... All eras are full of spies and espionage. But yeah, it it seemed particularly... People were fascinated by it and scared of what was going on. And it's kind of... We romanticize it it a little bit now. Middle of the 20th century was the first time in human history when we had global communications... Happening. I mean, first time. Television had just come around. Radio was kind of in its full bloom. All the new technologies, all kinds of stuff is happening to where the world's going to know what you're doing to some degree. Whereas 100 years before that, 
Who the hell knew what the governments were doing? Yeah. Nobody. I mean, you just didn't know, probably. Technology had come So it just away. was exploding right at this time. 40s and 50s were on the tail end. You know, we've got the news coming into everybody's houses and newspapers are like crazy, crazy popular. So I think that was part of it. It's just more people nosing around. And America got really paranoid. So this is the new Steven Spielberg movie. You might have heard of that guy. Um... I said to you after this movie had ended, he uh, loves to tell lots of different types of things, you know. He might go from an E.T. to a Bridge of Spies. There's a big gap in between those movies. But still telling a story, like you said, he likes to tell a story. But this story, to me, was... I thought it was... You know when you say I use one word to describe a movie every week? Mm -hmm. I would describe this one as gripping because... Mm -hmm. It's not one of my words, but that's a good one. Yeah, I didn't want to... Uh, there wasn't one second I was like, oh, I don't really care what happens anymore. I was like, oh, wow, this is really a very interesting thing. A man put into a weird position that, you know, the way Tom Hanks portrays this, and I still think Tom Hanks is value for money as an actor. He's awesome. Um, this guy's put into this position to defend this Russian spy. That's not going to go down well with the public. Because they're going to say, why are you defending a spy? Just exactly. getting hung. Um, so that's going to happen. But then the Tom Hanks character having a... Uh, inside him say, no, this is wrong to be like everybody else. Like to be... Just hang somebody when they haven't... You know, they might not have done anything. What they I got actually... from the character and the way they have him come across is... And in one speech that he gives to the Supreme Court, which apparently was from what he actually said. Yeah, because word it's based for on a true story is the war we fight against other people fundamentally is about the different ideas we have about life, about how a nation should be. And if our ideas of how a nation should be include our Constitution, and inside the Constitution it says that every person, including cases he cites, I guess, that in the 1800s even, the Supreme Court decided that even if you're an illegal alien in this country, you take on the rights of a U.S. citizen when being accused of a crime or whatever, which is stuff we as citizens don't know about, we don't think about, we want to disregard, like, no, 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 you know? No, if some illegal immigrant comes here and does a crime, well, they're not an American, so they don't deserve our rights. But what right, he's yeah. saying is, if you our mean... ideals are that as a human being... Everyone has the inalienable right to blah, 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 as we know, as we've learned as Americans. I don't mean blah, 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 but I don't want to recite the whole thing. Then how can we disregard that and, like, basically validate the other point of view, which we see their point of view as you don't have rights, you're not free, you are subject to persecution no matter, regardless of any due process or any sort of, you know, laws that are in place that it's more like Wild West or something where you can be hung without a, a jury of your peers and all that kind of stuff. If we're going to do this thing as America, we have to stand on the foundation that we made. I really feel like that's what came across to me throughout his oh, whole thing. Also, for me, what came across was he was looking... This guy, this this spy who we see, is portrayed as a human being, not as a bad guy. Like. Yeah. So this guy, uh, the Tom Hanks character, 
James B. Donovan is um, just looking at people as human beings and going, why are we being, you know, yes, there's bad guys and good guys, but we don't know everything about this guy. And kept, But you're all condemning him before anything happens. Like. Yeah, and the story, the way he tells the story, the way they write, you know, the way the screenwriter puts it together is they're making this guy, which I don't know the real reality of what this guy's job really was, but what they're trying to come across is this guy's in America trying to gather secrets, information to pass on to his government about anything that he can from our, you know, from the American side. And America has done the exact same thing. Yeah, it so shows if you I both put, sides. Yeah. If I put our guy in Russia, and he's going about his daily business, doing what his government has asked him to do, doing his job, giving up his entire life for his country, because essentially that's what you do. You ditch your life. You live a life by yourself. That's kind of the vibe I got. You were then at the... That's it. You have given up your whole... And then you you also accept the fact that if anything goes wrong... You're on your own. Your government's not going to swoop in and save you. So his argument it is, or the the argument in the movie is, if we're all doing that, and if we show their man due process and respect and restraint and show them the way our system works, and they don't do that from their side, then we're proving why we think our way is better. And to set a better example, yeah. you know, so I think that really came across to me. But, um... The the way, the relationship between uh, how slowly he was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be crappy. Uh, I, taking on this case is obviously going to be bad. He's like, he, he doesn't even want to take it, does he, at the beginning yeah. when they present it to him. But then as he starts to do it, I, I liked a CIA agent tails him one night and he's like, yeah, we're going to let, he stop, he get, eventually gets to him and says, all right, we've got to talk about things. And he he's like, inside, you can see that flip, it's, Flips. Like they want him to be their inside man, basically. Right, Do, you just tell a, us everything. You're obviously. a puppet on a string. Obviously, because you're an American and you want to help us, you're just going to tell us everything, aren't you? Even you're going to break all the confidentiality between you and your client. And he's like, no, I'm not. And we have to also remember this guy in real life, because it's based on real life people, he had also been a prosecutor in the Nuremberg trials, yeah. which meant he brought actual Nazi soldiers and upper um, military men and upper whatever were to trial and to execution. So you, I also got that vibe. Like you're also toying with somebody who you can't bully too much because if all of a sudden you make him look bad, yeah, then you have to go back and go, well, everything he did back there, we have to, we have to really think about this. You know what I mean? Like this guy, and he doesn't seem to care what anybody thinks. That's what I really got the thing of, like, he's actually focused on his own thing. Like, my deal is between men, me and you, and we're going to work this out. Yeah, and I'm not going to compromise my... um, Internal compass thing or whatever it is. Yeah, like my moral... Like, I'm not going to compromise that because if I do, then I'm just being like all these other people. Or I think, like, one of his lines was, if you tell me that legally we have no grounds for this thing, I'll drop it. So he's bound not necessarily by a moral thing, but he's actually wanting to stick to and prove the system of American democracy kind of thing, you know? And I found this story fascinating because what I thought at the beginning, what I thought it actually was, was, you know, this. There's a spy. Tom Hanks has to 
I thought the whole thing was going to be a courtroom drama. I really did. Like, I thought, yeah, this is going to be a courtroom thing, start to finish. But then what it actually does become is a lot more elaborate and interesting than just a courtroom movie. Oh, much more. Yeah, he go, you know, he it, it, he leaves the country. He does some other... I don't want to spoil the whole thing. It is a true story, though. He, you know, he's... He goes and does some spy stuff himself, really. I mean, he's working like a, you know... <laughs> Like, you're going to meet this guy, and you're going to meet this guy, and you're going to talk this guy. What is he like? Uh, what do you call that way? You have to He's go... just a liaison. Yeah, what is that called where they send people to... A liaison. No, there's another name for the... Mediator? Pe- yeah, like where you're like a no man's land, kind of. like you're that's, not... you, that's what a liaison is, right? A liaison is just somebody who meets you to... Yeah. But this is like you're nobody. Like, he's not a, a member of the government. He's not... All he is is an American citizen who happens to be a lawyer, right? So, I mean, he, he kind the of real looked... story is a little more in-depth than that. They try to play it off like that. But he has been involved with, in real life, he was involved with the organization that predated the CIA. He wasn't a part of it, but he worked with them. And then he also did the Nuremberg Trials. And then shortly after this incident, he's then called upon again. They leave all that out. So he's they? not part of the government. But also, you have to remember and think about it. Like some sneaky ass man. I'm sorry, but it's a very man driven movie. <laughs> and politics and all this shit seems to be very man centric. Um, to think like a man is we don't want this guy as part of the government. That way we can always claim he's not part of our government. However, we're going to keep him in our back pocket. Because he's good. But unfortunately, he's also not going to do exactly what we tell him. Mm. Maybe, maybe he's doing what, if you go deep, deep, deep in what the comfort. What did the and CIA guy say the, to him? Are we Which gonna? Time? Are you good? Is this? Are you going to be a problem? He's nice. I'm not gonna be a problem. Let me do my job. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I think more people need to be like that and stop being like he wasn't swayed by the heat of the moment. He's not swayed. His kind of nationalism or patriotism, to me, is the kind that is rational and makes sense. To say that someone's a spy against your government and therefore, if we don't electrocute him, we have no patriotism. Is flawed. It makes me. It doesn't want... make any sense. Now, now it's not to say that if you can prove that Joe Schmo was the guy who flew the plane into the Twin Towers and didn't die from it or whatever. I mean, if you can prove that that guy is the guy who did it, I mean, literally prove it. And I don't mean hanging on a thread and trying yeah, to make a, a good show of, it. of him doing it. I'm saying <laughs> if you can prove that person did that thing and killed thousands of people, that's different. That's murder. That's not this, you know, that's a clear, straight line to somebody who has done something, not just against your country. They've done something against humanity. Now, if someone just has a different idea than you and wants to counterbalance that and wants, you know, all that other spy shit, I get it. People are going to end up getting hurt. But the thing is, ultimately, about ideas. um... And his thing is, the idea is, we are free here. And we give you due process. That was a very legal movie. So, yeah, right. the interesting part to me was when he went to the uh, judge. And they, you, know, you know, the lawyer goes to the judge and he sits in the in the judge and they have a little meeting before a case or whatever. And the judge is just, the judge is just that. He's like, he, he's asking him stuff and the judge is going, no, we 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 do this case. We we yep. sign the thing and then he goes and you know, he's already sh- decided we're going to give a flimsy show, yeah, it's of, a show. The, of all the legal process mm. and we're going to do the least we can do and which will he- also which will not serve this guy necessarily but it will make us look good yeah 
Make us look like we're doing our jobs, but ultimately he will be hung, uh, right. electrocuted. We know the mission here. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. even when the judge passes his um, judge, <laughs> judging, he says, you know, if I, I was one that, yeah. of you uh, members of the jury, I would have done the same thing after they all say guilty. So it's like, it's like there's no wins. If this guy wasn't around for that guy... Would be, would have it's been so. Dead. It's just true in life. Even on these, that's a big topic. But even in life, on the littlest things, if you don't appear to be going with the status quo yeah, of you. the people around you, whatever the size of your group is, you are. I don't know. Is it primal? Is it? Is it animalistic of us to group be like you're different? You're different. You're different. We must eject you immediately, or destroy you or bring you over to the dark side with us. I mean, or whatever it is, brainwash you into being like us. In this movie, it's kind of like they try to... Peck at him enough. Oh, he's good, so we need him. And he'd be great for this, so let's shoe on him into something. So everybody has to kind of be delicate with him. Yeah. Now, maybe in real life it didn't work that way, but, you know, it's just that it's the same story with all... We're all the same. It's so lame. I found it really... It's a nearly a two and a half hour movie. I found it riveting from start to finish. Um, it's not a big action movie or anything, even though there is an action sequence in the middle of the movie, which is interesting, because um, it parallels... They do show both sides. They do show what America's doing in the spy thing, and they do show a little bit of R- Russia at the beginning, do what they're doing. But I like that, where they kept like cutting back and forward. Steven Spielberg's thing, where he's cutting back and forward from, here's what's happening here with this Russian guy, and look, we're doing it too. Right, and not, that's <laughs> not to say we're wrong. It's no. to say, think, zoom out, and look at the bigger picture. You have to look at the bigger picture if humanity, you know, if you want to look at humanity as a whole, right? So, it's just like, you can't blame another corporation for planting a spy in your in your at your you know table if <laughs> you have a spy at their table like you right. can't you can't you can't complain and i think that a lot of people go yeah but the american way is the right way to live now yeah. i can't argue with that on many levels however that's what the other guy thinks too you know that's what they think about i mean the government or the people in charge yeah, anyway. maybe I mean, not the citizens the- but the people in charge think we we're doing it right. right. Now, that's not to justify Even it. Even Hitler thought he was doing it yeah, right. Yeah, and that's not to justify it because it's obvious when you put a magnifying glass on a on a plan that's destructive and terrible for humanity, it has to come down. But you will never change his mind, right? So whatever means you have to bring him down, everyone's going to cheer you on because it's horrible, right? It's horrible what that guy's doing. Right. However. From his point of view, everything he does to bring the other guys down, everybody's going to, the people who support him are going to cheer also. So it's just like this mangled, I don't even know how we all survive. I really don't. I actually don't know how we survive. I'm going to say this without trying to be sexist, but it's going to come across that way. If men didn't have the final say ever in all of humanity, let's go back to day one when the first guy who realized he was a little bit stronger and a little bit louder a little bit more of a dickhead than everybody else in the group decides to slam his fist down and everyone then got scared right so oh he's in charge okay let's just then we're going to zoom up to now that that seems to be the way to make decisions the louder you are the bigger your guns the more cash you have meaning all of your goods and your resources that means you're right but it doesn't right 
So these two master powers use their little... And another thing I got from this movie was all these people, including him, his German guy, the Russian guy, they're all like bureaucrats. They're all just dudes who have families in their suits. And the one guy's... His hands are shaking, right? Because he's got alcohol in his hands. So you, the clue is this guy must be like a really stressed out alcoholic. Yeah. I mean, that was what I, that's the vibe I got. And then the other guy just looks super stressed out. The German guy just, or the Russian guy that he meets with just looks like it's it's so, the weight of the world is on their shoulders. And you just want to go like, just, you know, re- Ugh, I don't know. It made me think a lot. So this, my well, word for this movie is thoughtful, So by the yeah. way. Mine is uh, that gripping. Um, what do you think about the filmmaking from Steven Spielberg? It's invisible. I, to me, it's invisible because I'm there. Anytime that I am transported and not even thinking about what I'm seeing. Now, some might say, yeah, but you didn't notice this and you didn't notice that. Yeah, I didn't notice it because I'm being told a story in a time and a place where I can never be. And I am lost in it. And it's been like told said, very I'm, well. I've been gripped. Yeah. And I'm lost in it. So to me, that means beautiful filmmaking. Now that can go for all kinds of films. So it's think, not just Steven Spielberg, but if you he's think, one of the best. If you think of Spielberg's last two movies, War Horse and Lincoln, and this one, he's kind of um, he's he's got a new style about him. He's I think he's changed but over the years. There's no style, is there? I think there is a style, and I think that his new style. That he's been doing, what War Horse is it, and and so is Lincoln, is it's and it's it's to do with the cinematography, but it's a more natural lit kind yeah. of thing and like real, you know, and you can see in the extras it's all lit to lit like crazy, but yeah, it looks real like you're in a room that's just got a couple of lamps in it. It's not overly lit. I feel like he started to do that a lot, you know, like uh, light coming through windows a lot. It, it's, it's, it, he's always had the same uh, director of photography, but he seems to have gone more for that nowadays. Because the story is bigger than whatever else you can throw at the screen. You know, if you look up the goofs of this movie, you're going to find a lot about dates of cars and signs and signage around the different sets and even some clothing comments and things like that. Like but it's what, high quality woman's, filmmaking. The dress is made out of a certain fabric and the person complained that that fabric wasn't released by that company until 1964. Yeah. And this was supposed to be... And I'm just like, oh my God, that is a person who's not gripped by the story. They couldn't have paid any attention. Because I have the same disease. When I'm watching a movie that's not holding my attention, I'm finding more flaws. Now it can be scene to scene or it can be the whole movie. So for this one... I got none of that. I am completely engulfed it's in the quality. story. The filmmaking's quality. Everything's quality about us. I was so focused on everybody's face all the time. Not just close-ups. I mean, I'm watching because everybody's so good that I am like, what's he gonna, what's, what are they going to do? What are they going to say? How are they going to act? Because we're also talking about a play of like trying to trick people each other maybe maybe not trying to read each other's faces you know poker faces or not and so i'm just like i'm focused on that so hard nothing else everything else disappeared yeah it's a very well made film it's very interesting um i like lincoln quite a bit but i feel like this one was to me it's a more interesting i'm more into this subject matter um it it gripped me more what are you an american (laughs) <laughs> I'm not American so uh, Lincoln didn't grip me as much even though yes I appreciate Lincoln it is because it? you didn't understand it no I understood it but 
it's heavy on the politics, obviously. That's yeah. what it's about. This is also a political thriller, but it leans more on the human side of things. But it isn't, things. is it? Because it really only leans down to that. Yeah. I mean, it is a political uh, whole situation that's going on, but I just found it interesting start to finish. And you know what? These type of situations, I don't usually. I usually find them, oh, yep. okay, it's a bit Weary. too much. I, I can't follow it. There's too many things. This, uh, another thing for Spielberg, he kept it easy to... I'm not saying dumb. There's it gonna down. be a lot of there's dumbed down. If you read the real stuff, there's a lot of stuff going on. But you've that, got to do something for a screenplay. You've got to rein everything in, yeah. haven't you? You know. And we've um, watched other movies that add too much. That unless it's a six-hour movie, you're never gonna or a television show, you're never gonna be able to keep up with the all the names and all the places right. and all the switches. Even Game of yeah. Thrones, try and keep up with everybody <laughs> in Game of Thrones. It's kind of hard sometimes. You're like, oh, oh, oh. They, they mention somebody, and you in your mind are like. I've heard that name, but I don't know the face, so I don't know who they're talking about. And then that whole scene is kind of like, huh? You know, until you figure it out later on. So, but this, I think it's all, you know, the Coen brothers uh, and what was he called? There's three, the, the Coen brothers and the main guy, the British guy. I, I, I'm sorry if I get With the name. yellow teeth. The yeah. young guy. <laughs> He's a British guy, so he has to have yellow teeth. I'm impressed with that these days. Not everyone's imp- not everyone's needing to... Maybe white teeth are... White teeth teens are out. Who sings that? Lord. Correct. So, yeah, I like the... Um, I like the script. It was... It's probably trite to say this, but like, tight. <laughs> it was very tight. <laughs> it was um, tight. So let's move on to the actors in this. It is up for six Oscars, like I said, but Tom Hanks is not up for an Oscar, which I find hard to believe because he was excellent in this movie. Tom Hanks impresses me a lot. Like I, know I have a feeling people... this happened. They called Tom up and said, look, somebody nominated you. We're going to put you in. He's like, no, no, you know what? I've had enough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think... Never mind. <laughs> Let somebody else have a chance. Thanks. <laughs> He's like, I'm not going to the Oscars this year. I am a black man. Leave me alone. <laughs> Don't mock it. <laughs> so, Don't be a dick. So um, Tom Hanks plays James B. Donovan, the main star of this uh, movie. Uh, what did you think of him? I say, well... I mean, Tom, he's Tom there Hanks. There are times when he's he's being Tom Hanks and it's too much, you know? Like, there's off and on for me. But in this one, I'm I'm lost in it. I mean, I'm lost in, I'm convinced. He, I mean, what he is, is a middle-aging, middle-to-over-middle-aging man. He's almost perfect for that role. Who's, he's older than the guy was, but... Yeah, yeah but I mean, he, he just, <laughs> yeah. he's so, I mean, I, everything, physically, the he's whole thing. He's very restrained. Yeah. And there's not a lot of, like, look at me, I'm big man on campus. And you get that sometimes with their particular people, Denzel Washington. Tom, Tom Cruise. Hanks, Tom Hanks. Tom Cruise. There are a few people that occasionally, even in their roles... There's this, they've got their little flag waving like, yeah, 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 I'm the boss of this, you know, but it, I didn't feel any of that this time. I really didn't. No, I really enjoyed him. Uh, I always enjoy him. And I, that was the thing I was realizing while I was watching it. I was like, I wanted to see Tom Hanks in last. Well, whatever it was, I probably enjoyed it. I don't feel like I come out of Tom Hanks movie and go, oh, you know, even if it's... It's been a long time. Yeah. We um, never saw the one about... Conspiracies and stuff. Never saw that one. Never saw the other one about the conspiracy stuff. Whatever that was called. Remember? Yeah. 
But it's not the first time um, Tom Hanks has worked with Spielberg because he was also... (laughs) Four times. Yeah. Uh, Amy Ryan plays Tom Hanks' wife, Mary Donovan. Um, She's not in it a ton. It's not an Amy Ryan movie. No, no. But I really like her. I always have. I thought it was really funny. Some subtle stuff she did with him I thought was interesting. Yeah, I like always like her. I mean, instantly I was like, yeah, she's... I'm I'm there. Okay. Now here's the guy that blew me away in this movie. I just thought he was awesome and compelling, and because you don't know exactly what you, I mean, you know he's a spy because you see him doing some spy stuff. <laughs> you don't know exactly what he's done, but uh, he's the guy who plays um, Rudolf Abel, who is the Russian spy in this movie. Mark, he's played by Mark Rylance. He's a British actor. But yeah, he compelled me, and when Spielberg said he kind of hit it on the nose, Spielberg was saying in the extras about this guy, we wanted to portray him like, he's a Russian spy, so you're probably supposed to hate him, he's doing something bad in our our country, but you will be rooting for him. And towards the end of the movie, and most of the movie actually, I was never like, yeah, hang this bastard. No. I was always like, no, he's a man. The interactions he has with Tom Hanks, where he's just... But we don't know... They always have to keep reminding yourself, I don't know what the things he's done, what they've led We never to. know what he's done, do right. we? Right, we never know what his... He's chosen this job, and he's chosen this life, like yeah. any, anybody on any side. American yeah. spies have chosen the same thing. Whatever they've decided, if they get intel that comes back to our government, and that leads to a town being bombed where a thousand women and children get killed... And also the guy in charge of some horrible terrorist group, right? That means that that spy gave intel and then went about his business as he's blending in and just being that guy that ended up causing the deaths of many people. Now, in the bigger, bigger picture, governments will say, well, that's, ca-, you know, that's the cost of being uh, entities that don't agree or whatever. But so this guy could have done any of that. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. He could have given up other spies. He could have... He might have never actually done any spying properly. Just that one thing. Right. But he could have done terrible things. You have to always remind yourself that every choice he makes, he's he's a grown man. He's making his own decisions. And what he's doing could harm, not just Americans, but I mean, you have to ally. um, In those... In those kind of movies, you have to think about the allies and the war and all that kind of stuff. So you have to always keep in mind, he's not an innocent... One thing he could have done could have caused huge huge damage to anybody. Or so, not. Right. So I never ended up sympathizing with him necessarily as a human being even. Now, I don't know about the death penalty. I don't know about... See, actually, That's where I when, when the Russians thing. put the American guy on the stand mm-hmm. and uh, they don't have... They, they say just to put him in prison. Yeah, but we don't know what their choices were. Right. They might have had the same politics going on. Right. They might have had somebody saying to them, look, if we keep this American alive, I do like it's going to look better than if we hang him. This um, Abel guy at the beginning when Tom Hanks walks into the room to interview him and he says, did they torture you? Meaning America. And he said, no, they just offered me to come and work for them. Like, right. And then, then they'll drop all the charges. So that was interesting like because it wasn't from that, oh, well, you know. Yeah. From the point of view of do we do torture people, we know we do. Sure. It happened. Everybody it's does. Happened, yeah, everybody, everybody does. does. It's happened. There was a thing about the waterboarding thing, you know, not only recently. It's not just America. No, I'm not trying to does. deflect. If, I'm you, just saying. if you find a, um, a traitor, I mean a spy like this, 
Well, if he's he ain't gonna cough up the information, they're trained not to. So you want that information, it's the most valuable thing to you. That's the way of doing it, isn't it? You break a person. I don't know. Or you break a person in a like they were doing with the American guy, just not letting him sleep and then keep asking him and questions. Propaganda. Propaganda. Yeah. But we all do it to each other. But anyway, th- this guy, Mark Rylance, he's actually up for the best supporting actor for an Oscar. Uh, he was very compelling to me. Every time he was on the screen, I was like, I want more of him in this movie. And he was not in it a lot, if you think about it. It's quite a bit. It's not like... T- I mean, Tom Hanks is always in this movie, right? Um, but this... Did you like him, Mark yeah, Rylance? very yeah. good. Alan Alda plays Thomas Waters. You know, it's a small part. I like Alan Alda, but it could have been anybody. Yeah, uh, I thought he was good. I mean, he always is. He's, you know, he's right for that character. Austin Stowell plays Francis Gary Powell. And you'll understand who he is. Uh, I thought it was interesting about Not his... everybody knows all these people, no. No, I'm saying you'll understand who he is uh, halfway through the mo- movie when he's introduced, kind of. And uh, if you watch the extras, his son uh, is uh, in the extras quite prominently. Talking so this is an American who was in one of the U-2 spy planes... Taking, taking pictures. Yeah. Got like, shot like down. Like Google Maps. So this is a real thing as doing. well. Took the pictures, or was taking pictures, got shot down, taken prisoner, at the same time as we have this Russian guy, and that's what sparks the whole, like, Let's, I mean, it's a real thing that happened, like a trade yeah, we of want prisoners. Our, we want our guy back, and you can have your guy back. It's, that's what the that's what the whole movie's about, really. So, yeah, this guy, I thought he was really good, um, especially the part time when he was on he was on the stand and they say he doesn't say any words. Oh, that was but, pretty generic. But that whole look on his the, the whole I'll be honest, he could have been anybody too. No Yeah. He no. didn't really have much to do. Jesse Plemons plays Joe Murphy. Um we just seen Jesse Plemons who just was awesome mm-hmm. in uh, Fargo recently. He was uh, in the second season of Fargo and he was awesome. I I, I can't get over how good he was. In Fargo. Uh, also in um Breaking yeah. Bad, wasn't he? Um, Todd. <laughs> yeah, he's not a huge part of this movie either, but he does crop up in some big scenes in this movie. I, I'm growing to like him quite a lot. You know, he's a good, he's, he's a really good actor. Like, I think we're going to see him as like one of those character actors who's not like the main person. You're just going to see him crop up. Okay, in I'm some... here to argue with you. This one thing that you say and other people say, character actors—they're all playing a character. Well, um, everyone's playing. A, he's just an actor. He's a performer. Yeah, right? we're going to see him in the side roles, like. Like supporting roles, then you know why? I just feel like he—he he is not the kind of actor who you see. He's not the lead guy. He's not Fargo. Tom Hanks. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. Yeah, they were like the heart of the in whole movies. Show. I'm talking about really. Oh, I think he could easily if they give him another one of those kind of hefty roles. Hopefully, we see him in something as a lead guy. But I, I feel like he's one of those guys who's like really awesome, and you just see him like Al, who Alan Alda. Not he was in Mash, right? But in movies, oh, that little show. the lead guy, was he? He was a lot of He's been in a few. Side guy. Um, Scott Shepard plays Hoffman. Um, oh, you oh yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he's the ginger-haired guy. Yeah. Like, um, he was... Some of the scenes with him I thought were really good. Yeah, awesome good. Between him and Tom Hanks. He's, he's intimidating without being intimidating. Yeah, he's like... <laughs> he's like, basically, like... Whatever's going to happen... He he's kind of high up the chain, and Tom Hanks is kind of underneath him. So when Tom Hanks is doing this stuff, I disagree. He keeps after well, he has to check in with him, and then he goes, "Yeah, I'll, okay, I'll go and report that now." That's what is happening. 
But I mean, Tom Hanks isn't below anybody. And I think this guy's just a low on the totem pole guy too, but he, that's his job, is to keep an eye on this transaction that's going on. He's not like but a ultimately, big... he seemed to have the... If Tom Hanks wasn't as strong as he was, not Tom Hanks, James B. Donovan, yeah. wasn't as strong as he was, this might have gone down a very different way because of this guy. Because this guy was just like, okay, that's that. We're going on. We're moving on. And Tom Hanks was kept coming back and going, uh, hold on. We could get more out of this, or we could do this differently. Um, but I liked him really good. And last, I want, you wanted me to put this guy down, Mikhail Gorvoy. Mikhail Gorvoy, Russian. Um, and I don't know what his character name is. <laughs> Shitskika. Shinskia. Maybe. Uh, he's just the guy... Because when Tom Hanks' character has to go meet with people to see about making a trade between these two quote-unquote spies, it's sort of like a trail of breadcrumbs. They're getting fake letters that are supposedly from this guy's wife, but they're not really. They're agents from the Russian government, but we don't know who they are. And then he's supposed to meet a guy, and then another guy, another guy. And then this guy comes out, and I feel like he's the same thing. He's a bureaucrat. He's been doing what he's told. He believes in his government. But he gives you that hint of, I get what you're trying to do here with yeah. the trading. I, I get it. You've got a man. I've got a man. We need to trade. But what the thing is, he looks at Tom Hanks in a way that's like, I'm in the grown-up world and you're not. Right. And you don't quite get it. Like, everything has to be done just a certain way. And the way he looks at him and the way he kind of, he just has a certain mannerisms that's like, I'm a stressed out. <laughs> like, but he's not the hardliner that you would think you're going to come across when you meet the Russian embassy guy. Like, he's, they look each other in the eye and I just felt like he was a good counter act, counterbalance to Tom Hanks. It's like, they're the same. They're the same kind of guy. Yeah, working for two different, very different governments. So and that's like what a lot of this movie is. It's like people butting heads with each other about bureaucracy and and, and how it how things should be. How it would look. We do it this way, you do it yeah, that if way. If we do it this way, it'll it's look better. It's going to look this way to yeah, everybody else. We don't want to look bad, we want to look better. And that's part of the game that these men play with the world. It's amazing to me. Yep. So uh, this is directed by Steven Spielberg. We don't really have to talk about Steven Spielberg. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> we all know who he is. We all know what he's what done. What movies has he done? We all know what he made. He, yes. What's your favorite Spielberg movie? And you can't say this one. You know what? I really think it is. <laughs> you can't say this one. Catch this one. Me If You Can. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. I think that might be my Terminal is really good. Yeah, but I think Catch Me If You Can is... I think it's a real that now that is a fascinating you know like I say this it gripped me start to finish that also I love kind of heisty type kind of and that is a true story too which is based very, on a true story yeah, yeah very very interesting um and you know Leonardo DiCaprio brilliant in it yeah that might be my favorite you know what War Horse was really awesome really too. good Lincoln's really good Lincoln's but, high quality but you know if you say oh what's your favorite Steven Spielberg movie I have to kind of say. Growing up, I guess it's changed over the years. Growing sure. up, it was Jaws and Indiana Jones, right? Always. They're still awesome movies too, aren't they? Close Encounters? Yeah. <laughs> They're awesome. I think there's too many. Jurassic Park, when, it, when it, you know, when that came out. You think up. you've evolved with him? Yeah. He even did, like, Minority Report. And, you know, and, and lately he's done these, you know. He did Minority Report? Yeah, I believe that was Steven Spielberg. I don't know that. And his new movie that's coming up, his next movie, is Ready Player One. 
Mm. Which uh, could be my favourite Steven Spielberg movie, <laughs> if it's um, anything like So you're novel. fickle, basically, is what you're saying. Yeah, well, I'm excited for that one. That's uh, next year. So um, extras on this Blu-ray, Bridge of Spies. There are not a ton, but I thought they were really good. There's four things on it. What did you reckon? There's, it's like, one of them's about the U2 plane. One of them's about um, the actual Berlin Wall, how they recreated it in the movie. One's about... Um, the actual end scene on the bridge, hence Bridge of Spies. <laughs> Which is the, actually called Bridge of Spies in real life. Yeah. They have a the, sign that says that. And the first part is a, a like a, a making-off type thing, but talking about the real story. Has enough of the real people, or people who are left oh, yeah. from this story in these extras. Steven Spielberg's never shy of being in the extras. I like that. He's not like an invisible director who doesn't talk about his stuff. <clears throat> Malik. Yeah, Malik. he, he oh, likes to talk uh, about uh, his stuff, you know. McG, he never talks about his stuff. That's fine. Um, How many times do we watch a McG movie a year? <laughs> Charlie's Angels. Here's the thing I'll accept, I will admit about my lack of knowledge about history of the world is that my perception of the Berlin Wall, is it coming down? Never had a clue when it was built. In my mind, it, it was either there forever. I, have, I don't even think I've ever referenced a point in my life or in my mind Probably in school they tried to teach me and I wasn't paying attention. Never knew it wasn't built until 1961. I mean, that means I, it was I only didn't up. know the exact date. It was only up for 30 years. Yeah. No, I'm not saying it's a That's horrible a long thing. Time I'm just saying for 30 years. But I guess I was always referencing like the Grew of China, which had been up for like a yeah, thousand years. Yeah, I think years. you were referencing that. Well, no, I mean, just never even thought about it not being there. I remember seeing, when did the Berlin Wall come down? 80-something. I remember seeing that as a kid, not, well, you know, teenager, kid, whatever, teenager. on the news. And it had no... It's such a big thing, and now I think of it, and I'm thinking, like, oh, so much... No, I think it was... Oh, look. Now I think so much persecution, so horrible, like... But I remember seeing it happening whenever it happened, live, and it had nothing. I didn't have any concept of it because I was too young. I was just like, huh? I don't get it. There's a wall, and somebody's... They're all, they're all knocking it down. I don't get it. I hate to break this to you, but it was down in 1990. You were not a child or a teenager no. or a youngster in any way, shape, or form. Is that when the first... It started coming down in 1989. When, when they was... went on the news and did yep. it. So you were a grown-up. Even as a grown-up, I didn't have any concept of it. <laughs> um, I mean, you know. It's funny, isn't it? Well, I was, you know, when 20? you were 20. Yeah, don't really have any... So you weren't a child. So no. you just didn't care. Didn't care. <laughs> But um, obviously, like, it's, you know, I'd seen, uh, I was going to say, I'd just seen movies like Schindler's List. Nope. By then? Nope. Did they come out in the 2000s? Schindler's List was not in the 1990, no. It was in the 90s, though, wasn't it? I don't know, but it wasn't It wasn't then. a 2000 movie. No. Was... No, I pro- you probably, Schindler's List was probably very close after that happened. <laughs> so what, when you saw it on the news, when you were an adult... What did you think of the Berlin Wall coming down? Well, I don't, this is I mean, going to be an inherent American reaction. It's like, well, yeah, there shouldn't have been a wall to begin with. You don't wall people behind something and tell them they can't go over to see their grandparents or their children. You don't build a wall in the middle of anywhere and block people from freedom. And our impression it was always my whole life that on the, on the, on the dark side of the wall, it's like oppression and you don't have freedom and there's no... You know, you can't, it's all government run and government issue everything. That is and, 
government takes care of everything, which means there's no chance to thrive Everybody's or to equal. be. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying everyone being equal is a bad thing. I'm saying, like, I think it's in your mind. And British people are going to have the same thing. Canadian people are going to have a similar thing. Any, anybody in these capitalistic countries you, is sort of in your cultural DNA that you believe in a bit of free enterprise. If yeah. I want to start a business, if I want to... If I want to become this or that or the other, and it never, our impression was you couldn't, you didn't have that freedom. And it was more about the freedom. Like, you literally couldn't go. And we heard horror stories of people who had been shot, you know, at the wall or got separate, a brother and sister getting separated, you know, when they were small children. Because on the day when the wall was closed off, one was visiting the grandparents. And then they never saw each other again until the wall came down. And you're just pissed off. You're just like... They were literally people passing notes and trying everything to like throw packages over and. Has there ever been a movie about the Berlin Wall, and and around it coming down? Not that I've seen. Not a big about movie. About it coming down, not that I remember. Yeah, around that era, like or it going up and coming down, like the, like a story about the Berlin Wall. I don't recall Quite documentaries, but yeah, I don't recall an actual movie. Um, so I'd say my impression when it was coming down was. And I'm I'm being as respectful as I can to my heritage as an American, but your reaction is like, duh. I always, <laughs> of course uh, you're bringing it down because if you don't bring it down, you're still a bunch of assholes. I always was amazed by how small the actual wall is. Yeah. Um, and unimposing. It didn't really matter that it was small. I mean, yes, you could climb over it, but it had barbed wire on top. But like he said, nobody dared climb over it because there was guys with machine guns on one people side. People did all the time. Tried. I mean, they tried. People died all the time going over it. But it was... It didn't need to be big because the tanks and the men with machine guns were the scary part when they were, you know, trying to get over the wall. It symbolized your lack of freedom mm-hmm. more than it was about keeping you in. So, yeah, the extras are quite respectful to the actual true story behind this. There's people involved in this movie. In fact, the son of the... Mm-hmm. Of the uh, American pilot, American pilot is in the movie, as well right. as being a consultant on the movie about his, you know told the stories of his father, provided tapes that his father had done. Um, so I, I found all that fascinating. I wanted like a actual documentary about this real thing. There might be one. I'm not sure. It's not on this disc, but good extras. So conclusion on Bridge of Spies. You think? What do you think? Why are you asking me? You say. I am saying it's an excellent <laughs> film. It's um, an important story that most people probably don't know anything about. I think it's... I think I, I was saying to you, movies, there are stories, amazing stories all over the news, all, all the over time. the... All the time. But for most people, they only come to people's minds when a movie is made. So movies are powerful in that way that you can tell a... This guy is... Is he like a hero, would you say? I mean, no. there are heroes in this movie. I'm not saying 100% that Tom Oh, Hanks I disagree. Can. I think there's no heroes. I think that's my point of the movie is there's no heroes because the people who are just trying to make sense of it all are just the logical, grounded, look, we're all human beings. We all deserve a certain amount of respect we all deserve to, if we are born and we believe in the system that we're in, the country we're in, that if we are going to stand by that, then it needs to have the same respect for everybody, not just those of us who fall under that flag. Now, that's what I came with. Nobody's a hero. The pilot's not a hero. The Russian guy's not. None of them. They're just 
doing their thing. And what highlights the person is that they're the most rational. There's no big heroics at all at, at any stage. I mean, other than, I don't know if it's heroic, understanding. Like when she says to him, there's a cost for this. I think a guy flying the, the bomber that has no, not really been used before, just putting his life on the line, like to go into enemy territory possibly. And I think that's very heroic. I don't know about that. I mean, I think it depends on the circumstance. He, I don't know that everyone going into this situation I don't know I don't know if I define that as heroism at all I um, I think it's a great film I think there's, it's good acting all around it's a good well made film it's up for six Oscars it's you know why well made yeah I mean like all Spielberg things are they're well made aren't well they? told story yeah so um, yeah I would I'd say. like him to get an 8mm camera just one with a few rolls of film and make us a movie that isn't anything other than him telling a story with that. <laughs> like a normal, like a full-length movie, but without any extras, without any, you know, maybe with a fantastic cast, but strip, trip, strip away all of the stuff that he has at his disposal he is and li- just tell us a story. He Steven Spielberg is one of, like, he will be remembered forever as a great director. I mean... There are directors and there are directors. And Steven Spielberg is one of them for me. You know, Francis Ford Coppola. It was also your lifetime, so. Yeah, but I mean, years what now, he has done. Well, these movies, will they live on for, I don't know how long they're going to live right, on. But movies that were made in the 19 teens and 20s, you don't necessarily know all those Because directors. it was the birth of film. Right, now we're but there actually, were people who mastered it at that time. Well, made, yeah, and, and the people that you think of are still thought of, aren't they? Who? Like Harold Lloyd, who was a good director. He was a director. Yeah, he directed and acted both. What? Well, you well the movies that the one where he's on the clock. Can't remember. I know. I'm saying though, what you're saying is you're throwing a name out there because you kind of associate maybe with Until some you of the still high remember quality. That guy. Right, but that doesn't mean he was the best. Well, that that's those that was the early days of film. Uh, not many people remember anything about. I mean, there's so, that's so my many. point. And in a hundred years from now, people won't necessarily remember that Steven Spielberg existed. Oh, I really I highly doubt that. That hit, I disagree. In a hundred years from now, it's not a long time. Um, those... Hundred years now is three, five generations away of people who, over time, it will slowly disintegrate. Mm. They will still exist, but in a hundred years, everything, almost everybody, and everything fades except for the very, you know, the he might be in history books and might be still be taught about, maybe, but maybe not. Hundred years. Say, I would say. Um... Movies like Star Wars will, in a hundred years, maybe not the nineteen seventy seven version of Star Wars, but the new version of Star Wars in a hundred years. Not necessarily. They still make. They're still making it because it's such a. <laughs> I love how you. And think. people will go, oh yeah, the original guy who did that was George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, and you know. I disagree. No, a hundred years is nothing. It's nothing. It's not nothing. It's 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 an entire. So you Many think generations. movie movie directors and movies of today would in a hundred years would be completely forgotten? I didn't say that. I said they might be taught somewhere. Somebody might have them as a class if you're still teaching film at that point. Who knows what's going to happen in a hundred years? But it will not be like the consciousness of small groups of people getting together to worship old Steven Spielberg movies or it wouldn't Quentin Tarantino. No, it just because you have to think about now because mm-hmm. we don't do that now. About anything from a hundred years ago. Right, like because it was only just starting. I'm not talking about it was, just is, film. If you I'm ju- talking about anything. 
right? We don't we don't do that. We keep moving on. Well, I mean, we make films about things that happened a hundred years ago. It's cowboy <laughs> movies and things like that, right? I understand. We still but... worship a, that kind of time. We make historical movies, and then we about... move on, right? The only thing that seems to survive in an entertainment slash storytelling world for over, what, now books, thousands obviously. of years would be books. Yeah. And I don't think, even that, only a few will come rise to the surface, right, that you think of. That is true. People still read, like, Sherlock Holmes or, you know, we're still making stories about Sherlock Holmes. I mean, it's from a long time ago. And we're talking, like, even longer than that. But I don't think film will do the same. Oh, I I disagree completely. I think film is... I mean, yeah, books are still books, but I think film is as relevant as books nowadays. I think people are very visual. I think films are... There's more people who'd rather watch a film than read a book now, I think. Yes, there are still people who read books, but films are easier to consume than a book. You like you. Are, I've never been a book person. No, but I'm saying. But that. I accept the fact that the people that are in the kind of cultural pop culture of my lifetime will not necessarily be the people who are are acknowledged a hundred years from now. I disagree with this. I know, but just think about it rationally. I am. And no, I you're think not. film will. You're thinking about it from a very I think film skewed will live. point of view. Now, film is like a. Thing, legit thing that is fully developed and is we're not learning. So it's music. Learned. So what music was happening a hundred years ago? Music's um, been around for thousands of years. So what music was popular a hundred years ago today? I don't. I actually don't know what music was. Popular. Then why would movies ha- rise above that? Rise above music? I think it would. <laughs> because you like it. That's the only reason. No. Yeah, it is. I don't know music from a hundred years ago because it was it was right the birth of like it popular music. Yeah, Music's yeah. been around forever. Well, it has, but there wasn't like record companies putting it out. There was just a guy playing something. Right, and nobody which knew to what me it was. escalates it even more. Right. That by the time we get 50 and 100 and 150 years from now, that because it moves so quickly and we siphon through so much, I think it will escalate even now. You've made a good point. That even kind of furthers my point. That you will move on from the Steven Spielberg of today and the Tom Cruise and the Tom Hanks of today and it'll just the lifespan of their this this attention span we have will get shorter and shorter. But we'll find out. We won't find out, but somebody will. I mean, there'll always be another... <laughs> no one listening another to this Steven will know. Spielberg who comes along. <laughs> but it won't be Steven Spielberg. No, I'm saying another uh, director of such a high quality who has a really good body of work throughout his life. Yep. And then the next generation won't know who it is. I... Well, maybe three generations down is what I would estimate. Except for the very few who keep... Like we do. We, we have a few people who always kind of take a step back and pull the past back forward. But as a collective, we don't always do that. I still disagree. I know you do. So next week's... <laughs> ne- talking of the Oscars, next week's Blu-ray review will be Trumbo, uh, also up for Best Picture. Well, when are we doing that one? We're going to look at that one next week. Trumbo, because the Oscars are very shortly, right? Mm. Um, so movie recommendations. A minor based on a Tom Hanks movie and a... Amy Ryan movie. It's not an Amy Ryan movie, but she's in it. So my Tom Hanks movie is another Steven Spielberg movie, The Terminal. It's a really cool movie. Another interesting true story (laughs) that um, you wouldn't think... It's just fascinating, start to finish. It's a fascinating story. It's a man who left his country. 
His country in the meantime his is dissolved. Dissolved and the government he's of his country. No so now he has no passport to get back into the US and he, there is no government to acknowledge his existence on the other side. So at the airport it because it's he considered Somehow it's considered like non-territory. No man's land. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how that's possible because someone owns the airport, right? Right, but it's still non-territory. Yeah, I don't know how that's possible either. Because if you if the airport's in Chicago, it's Chicago, right? It's not. I guess it's before you go through the. um, Yeah, you couldn't be arrested every step you take because mm -hmm. you're in a country without something, right? So I guess that's. But it is a true story. It's Based on you know, it's they kind of turn it into a comedy, like you know, it's amusing but also interesting. Uh, my other one is Gone Baby Gone, which um, Amy Ryan is in, and so is Mr. Ben Affleck, Casey Affleck, <laughs> Ben Affleck's brother. Yeah, Ben Affleck's brother. <laughs> um, excellent movie about Boston. Is it? What's where is it set? I don't remember. I think it's Boston, but so is the town. I think they're both in. Aren't they both in the? Boston. I mean, that's where they're from. Yeah. Um, Affleck. But yeah, Gone Baby Directed Gone. by Ben Affleck. True. And yours Written are? by, maybe. Uh, mine are, in conjunction with my plan for the year of going through all the movies that I have listed, that I have seen, my IMDb list now moves me on. I'm still in the numbers, because as we know, with Excel spreadsheets, numbers float to the top when you tell it to sort alphabetically. So now I'm up at, I'm down to... 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. One of my favorites. Original, the oldest one. I don't know the year. 2001 A Space Odyssey. Awesome. Now, I was going to put 2010, the next the next one. And I think I've seen it, but it had no impact. So I'm not going to count that. I know that I know that I've seen it because I was like, oh, 2001, I can I see 2001 it. Space I can Odyssey, too. but I can't see the second one. And I have seen it. Doesn't it have, Roy, does it have it. Jaws guy in it? I can't remember. Yeah, or does it have Bishop? One of those guys. <laughs> no, I think it's Roy Schneider. Yeah. I think. And it's not as good. And that's why it, I didn't put that on my list. But that exists. 2001 Space Odyssey in 2010 from the other book. And uh, 24-Hour Party People. Yeah, 24-Hour Party twos. People is a uh, Michael Winterbottom film about Manchester, where I come from. The music scene in the 90s was called Manchester. It involved the Happy Mondays and the Stone Roses and New Order and Steve Coogan, who you you might all know now, Steve Coogan's kind of been in some big Hollywood movies like Night at the Museum. Um, he plays Tony mm. Wilson, who was like a very prolific um, figure in Manchester for music. You know, Americans. I don't. I'm going to speak for everybody, but of our generation, may not be aware of this. Um, what no, would you call it? Wouldn't. Revolution of dance music. In the 90s. Yeah. It happened in America and in Man- and in England. Where you're going from the pop... 80s music. Yeah, Depeche Mode and, like, no, what else? Poppy stuff. Yeah. George you know, Michael. 80s music. The, you know, culture yeah. club. Karma and, Chameleon. Yeah. Into this sort of, like, dun, 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 dance. Like, getting high. Ecstasy. Like house music. Raves. Yeah. Ambient music versus the more kind of pop... And it was... It was a, a punk of its time, but not punk. I mean, it's that kind of movement. It was a, it, st- it started in like 1989, 90, And uh, it was a huge movement. And it started in, actually started in America, in uh, Chicago. And house music started to kind of emerge from there. And somebody, Tony Wilson, actually, who this movie's about, 
heard that music and kind of brought it to Manchester. And he opened a club in Manchester called the Hacienda, which uh, played that music. And it was so unique, like nobody had, you know, it's the birth of something. Did you go there? Yeah, many times. And it became (laughs) like a big, it just became a thing. And then people in Manchester started making that kind of music. And there's like a groove to it that if you've never, now me in my life, I'd never listened to any of this until now, until the last few years of my life. Last few years. Hopefully not the last few years, but in the past recent years. And there's a groove to it that if you're like me and raised in Midwest, yeah, uh, Missouri, where my music of of that was swirling around me at all times was country from the 70s and 80s and classic rock and roll from the 60s and 70s because my siblings are all 10 years older, seven years older than me. So I was like kind of weaned off of their music straight into the 80s. Which have been like Rick D's Top 40 and Casey Case in Top 40 and whatever was on the radio. And so, yeah, it was very streamlined. And then as I've grown older, I've focused on some things pretty tightly, but never branched out. And so this, dance and now house and chill and all this stuff that I don't know really know how to terminology correct. Oh, now it's electronic <laughs> I don't know what anything EDM is called, but no, yeah, EDM, yeah, yeah, electric dance music. But there is a thing about it that just taps into you. So I, but it kind of started twenty-four, uh, yeah, yeah. That was that was the start of all that, and so this twenty-four-hour fo- party people, yeah, and it follows like Factory Records, which is what Tony Wilson started. Which See, to you, all those things mean something, yeah. But to Americans, a lot of Americans, they may not. No, they wouldn't have any... Well, there's going to be Americans who know the Stone Roses and the Happy Mondays It's equivalent to Motown for us, but a different kind of music. We know what Motown is. We understand the story of it. And it was very punk-like, even though it's not... It doesn't sound like punk. No. But it was a punk kind of movement that was going on. It was like, fuck everything. This new thing's starting. It was about drugs. It was like hippy-dippy, but even lazier. It was kind of hippie-ish. It was <laughs> do, do acid, drop acid, dance all night, that kind of thing. Yeah. It was a... Which the show, This Is England, yeah. highlights every era that you lived through so far. But that is an excellent movie, 24-hour party, people. Um, it was all filmed in Manchester, too, so yeah, it's cool. And what was the band? Happy Mondays. Happy Mondays. I'm um, sure well, it follows the happy... It actually follows Factory Records, so that would be New Order, Happy Mondays, um, and... Uh, New Order before New Order were Joy Division and it actually follows them as well but it's not about the bands it's about Tony Wilson who Steve Coogan really excellently plays you didn't know who Tony Wilson was but I did because I grew up with him he was on the news he had a, he was in an interesting position Tony Wilson he was a local newsman like a Alan Partridge kind of guy who also people won't know what you're talking about no but it was, <laughs> it was like Paul Pepper your guy most people won't know what that is either. But cooler than that. He was a local news person. If you watch your local news, and we're not talking about NBC no, news, we're talking Granada. about your local people, yeah. Yeah, like the yeah the local news, uh, whatever your local station is at night, they all come on and tell the news. Tony Wilson was on that news program every night. He was just a journalist on that program. But inside, he loved this music. So he would try and sneak it into the news or into the programming by saying... Oh, this week we're going to focus on these cool new bands that are in Manchester. So he kind of like sneaked it into the mainstream thing through his normal day job. Right. Which was interesting because you'd see this guy and then he'd be like, tune in on Friday night and we'll have the Happy Mondays and they're going to come and play on the TV. And you'd be like, whoa, this is cool. I'm going to watch the news. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a unique story. We're so old. (laughs) uh, Yeah, you should watch that one. So games and A-scully stuff for this week. I've been playing one game this week pretty much. Pretty much. 
and that is American Truck Simulator. <laughs> I have mentioned this game previous, uh, well, not this game, but the other game, European Truck Simulator. This is the second in the series, and its title kind of explains what it is. You're in a truck, and you drive around America, and you uh, deliver things. Now, you might say... It sounds riveting. <laughs> yeah, and on paper, it does sound really boring, right? And I've, I've read quite a few reviews of this game this week, and almost everybody agrees and comes down to the same thing, that if you look at the description, it sounds... Why would anybody want to play that? It's so boring. But then when you play it, there is something about it that gets its hooks into you. It's it's like a business simulation. It's a truck driving game. And it's also, like, it's very relaxing to do. So you can get in your truck. You can deliver something from one place to another. There's a real radio in the game. So you just press R on your keyboard and you tune into a radio station. There's a bunch of them from America. And you're just chilling, sitting back, listening to the radio, driving along the highway. You know. Chilling. Sometimes you fuel, sometimes you have to fuel your truck up. Sometimes you have to again. It sounds <laughs> not riveting. But you're running this business underneath it where you're trying to. It's like, a lemonade stand, but mm-hmm. it's a simulator. And you're driving a, a very realistic version of driving a truck. I mean, you're inside the truck. All the things that are in a truck are at your disposal. You know, you can turn the windscreen wipers on. You can change gear. You can accelerate. You can brake. When you actually have to drop your load off somewhere you have to reverse it in you know mm-hmm. which is very challenging because reversing a truck isn't quite as easy as it looks when you see people doing it so i've told you my friend drives a school bus which is a little different than these trucks because your your yeah, trailer is you can bend at least yeah. she drives a full-size school bus and my friend is if you can imagine any school bus driver you've ever seen at least in my experience they don't look like her she Gets up in the morning and she does her makeup and she puts her hair up. She makes her nails are done and she puts on her jewelry and her earrings and her rings. She dresses in her cute clothes. She puts on her little cute vest or whatever and her little cute shoes. And she puts on her lipstick and <laughs> she's like like a Barbie doll driving a school bus. I kid you not. <laughs> so when she waves at people, you know, and she's really super friendly and she's just like... She waves and men. I've I've been on the bus with her and I've seen men do the actual double take, like the oh what that can, wow. Can, can, she, can she drive an articulated truck? You know she probably can because she drives it like a like. There's nothing. She goes up to this to the depot where they're supposed to park it, and there'd be like just enough space to squeeze a bus in, and she can't pull up very far because there's two buildings right next to each other. So she gets it right up next to the other building. She's looking around, chewing her gum, probably flicking her fingernail while she's looking at all of her mirrors, and she's just up there, like, cranking the wheel, and enough, before I, I know it, do. boom, she's yeah. she's just slid it right in there, and I'm just, I think it's amazing, but it's not easy. It looks really hard to me. Yeah, so this American Truck Simulator, it is um, on Steam. You can pick it up. It's 20 bucks. Uh, you might think, oh, you can drive all across America. You can't, actually. It's now it works. Uh, not yet. No, it's got two states to start with. And that they are California and Nevada. There's another two of the big ones. There's another state coming for free when you buy it. The third one's free. I can't remember where where it is. Arizona. Maybe Arizona. 
But eventually, over time, they're going to fill in all the states, so eventually you'll be able to drive the entire America, which is an almost awesome sounding thing to me. Um, I can't wait till that happens. It's going to take a while, probably. It's good as it is, though. I like it. I like just driving between Nevada and California. are so different looking to each other. There's a lot to look at in this game, you know. It's, um, There'll be a lot. I mean, if you get Colorado and those states where it's really hilly, yeah. and the plains, and, and then the very you get to the Midwest. States, yeah. Watery states? There's no watery states. Like Louisiana, I'm thinking, where there's swamps all over the place and stuff. Right? Well, that's only like on the coast. Those would the be whole cool. state isn't a swamp. They just look cool, though, those places <laughs> to me. Like they're hot and sweltery and kind of. <laughs> you feel like you're going to get the whole vibe? Well, yeah, well, you do. You do get the whole vibe. <laughs> the, the game's pretty detailed. It's got a lot of stuff, you know. You have to follow the I hope traffic. they're in it for the long haul, because it's a big country. You've got to... And um, then we have to have Canada. I mean, that would be awesome. Yeah, they probably would have that. Because Canada, you're yeah. going to have some long-ass rides. I imagine <laughs> they would have that. And Mexico after that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's awesome. American Truck Simulator. You can pick it up now. And uh, on my list, finally, it said biking. We went biking this week. Um, we had three days of weather that got over 50 degrees. Reasonable. And so we went... Bike riding. Took our bikes out on the trail. And it was the same as it was last year when I was... I don't like exercising. I really don't. Apart from... Um, I really don't. <laughs> I mean, I really don't. Other I mean, than it, the bike. it was actually cold out because the yeah. river was frozen. Yep. When we got to the, the river. river. Yeah. But it didn't matter because I was just glad to be riding again. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I love it. It was I amazing. Did. I always love it. Um, we did eight miles. You did the longest... You did... Well, we did 13 miles the second day and the third day, but... Or yeah. something like that. No, I did the... Uh, I went to the bench thing, so it's like 14 miles yeah. each time. And I really... I can't emphasize enough to anybody who thinks... This is how I think about exercise. I don't want to get out of breath. I don't want to get hot and sweaty. I don't want to look like a fool because I'm like the fat lady on the bike or the fat lady on the floor now. Or the fat lady doing the exercises in front of everybody. Or the fat lady trying to do the yoga. And I'm sorry if that offends anybody, but that's what I... I've got a lot of fat on me. So that makes me, if I'm in a crowd of people trying to exercise, that's how people will think of me. That's just a fact of life. I'm not good. I can't deny it. However, getting on the bike, instantly, it all, that all goes away. I don't feel self-conscious. I don't, because I think because on one hand, and this isn't me patting myself on the back, but you know, there are certain things that we take to pretty good in life. I, everybody's got a different thing. Like, if you put me on a horse, I don't know how well I do. Put me on a bike, I feel really in control. It took me a while in the very beginning to feel like I wasn't going to fall over. I've always over. felt natural. On Rocks it. felt, I thought I was going to fall over. But it didn't take long. And now I get on and I'm just like, I feel, when you get out on that trail, we go to a trail that's kind of hidden. It's, it's an old railroad track. So, you know, you're away from town. There aren't people... My thing is always, like, I don't want people staring at me and being like, oh, why is she even bothering? I mean, I know that's bullshit. There are a lot of people on this trail. Um, but they're all doing the same thing. Yeah, and, and they're very friendly people. Very. They're either taking a walk or they're walking their stupid Nobody's dogs. like, <laughs> look at you. Yeah, you don't, well, you know, get the occasional hardcore biker person. But they're not even paying attention to you, so they no. don't bother me. So that's what it is about the biking, that I get on it, I feel comfortable, I feel like I can master the whole of it. Like, I am i don't do the whole... We don't have the curled bike handles. We have, like, dirt... Mountain bikes. Mountain bikes. So, I like that. I don't go super fast. I don't go super hard. You I do, do if, me a I helmet. Get, if I... Uh, 
I did, but the wind that day was so hard that I was like, okay, I'm really. I mean, I was already out of breath, mostly because the air was just blowing down (laughs) against my face. We rode into so like I'm gonna go as hard as I can, and I felt like I wasn't even moving. It was like going on a treadmill, you know what I mean? But I just, I was like, okay, from here to where I can see those trees, and it probably was only about 100 yards. I'm just gonna like. Like, go for it. And I got that far, and I was just like, oh, my God. And I had to stop and get a drink. And so I'm not like, there's no thing fit about me in any way, shape, or form. Right? You do it enough, you get better. Exactly. And I have the desire to do that. You can't. And now we have, I have my stationary bike in the kitchen, in the dining room. And I've been trying to get on it. And today you made a joke because I was actually on the bike pedaling while I was eating a piece of frozen pizza. True. (laughs) And I was like... Well, so I'm not sure it, it cancels itself out. Isn't it better to be riding the bike while I'm eating the pizza instead of just eating the pizza? Right? That's my mind. I don't cancel out all the calories. But by that time I was done, I had eaten my pizza and I was out of breath. So. You're out of breath moral because you're the eating story. the pizza. You <laughs> no, two things at once. The moral of the story is hmm. never count yourself out. If you have any desire to have your body feel better and if you have the ability, if you're not, you know, um, held back by anything... There's going to be something. I even like yoga, but that's a tough one too. Biking's actually really fun. I've always it been is. a biker since I was a kid, right? And then when I was a kid, I was you couldn't get me off a bike. Always on a bike. Until I was about 16 and then never on a bike at all, ever. You even though up. I probably would have. Like, I just wasn't until last year. No, you rode your bike to work, you said. when I'm. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I did. There was a, a time. Are you lying? I got to about 16. Uh, stop biking, and then from about 20 to about 25, I biked commuting biking, not actually biking for fun, just commuting. I would uh, love to ride my bike to work. I'm just chicken shit. I but, need to just do it. But yeah, I, I and then I'd not been on a bike for <laughs> a about <long> time. <laughs> 12, 13 years, and uh, when I we got a bike, I got on it, and it was just like oh, me never too. Been off it's, bike, it, the know? only thing in my mind was not feeling comfortable with the big um now it doesn't bother me at all but i felt like i was going to fall over and part of my fear of falling over isn't because i don't want to fall over and i'll go back to being the round lady is that if you fall over and you're like not skinny everybody not everybody i shouldn't say everybody there are people who look at you like <laughs> shouldn't be on a bike anyway right and i know that's bullshit i accept that that's not did, way it should be in my mind if you did fall over on the trail but it's on, on your mind nobody would see you probably. Nope. And I don't, that's the thing. I don't okay. care now, but I'm just saying those think, things can hold you back. I was trying seriously. to think of what fell off since I got it, but I haven't. And the only way I can handle being on the stationary bike is I have my laptop right there where I can literally so play Scrabble and do my Facebook. Maybe you should duct tape your laptop to your handlebars <laughs> on the actual bike. <laughs> and watch a Type while movies. I'm going along. You know what? The movies wouldn't do it for me either. I've really got to be... If I'm stationary, I have to be doing something. But out on the, in the nature trail, somehow that transports me. I like looking at the nature trail. I do too. Yeah. It, t- it completely consumes me. So any chance we get, as soon as it gets over 50, we've learned that 53, 54 is a totally acceptable temperature. As long as it's not like... But it's back to 30 now, so no, it's no. Not, not very good. So um, what's for dinner, Sid Top, before we leave? Tonight will be soup and bread. And then maybe some corn nuggets or those oy other um, veggie tenders. I don't know what, whichever one of those I throw in the oven. We don't eat meat in case anyone listening doesn't realize it. I knew, but. And I, I was thinking about this the other day. I say to you what's for dinner as though everybody knows what the hell I'm talking about. 
Well, when we started, <sighs> we had only really just started not eating meat. Right. Gone vegetarian, if you will. So and back then, so, there was loads of different things we yep. used to say. But now, like, we've kind of found things we like. So if we well, just say... We're still finding things, though. Yeah, but most weeks we'll probably say, yeah, we're having a Morningstar burger and a thing. That's Maybe because they're things we like. Just be more exploratory then. Well, that, no, because, like, yeah, those are things well, we really no, like. Those Kroger... And then you explored and got some hamburgers the other day, and they weren't very nice. Which ones? I don't know. They, they were. They oh, were, yeah. No, I agree yeah. with you. Um... But the Morning Star is always good. Corn's always good. Yeah, those are good. And parts. those tenders are really good. And those are just store yeah. brand. Morning Star fake bacon is also great. Yeah, they're mm. not vegan. We're not vegan, but we have. I've tried other things recently that are vegan. Like our soups are always vegan from Amy's, and they're amazing. You get the pea, and I like my squash soup and ginger and carrot. And yeah, all that. Amy's soups are really good, aren't they? Flavorful. Maybe we've become complacent with our vegetarianism. I need to be more vigilant with trying new things. And definitely, you've been giving me cookbooks for years. I should be cooking out of them every year. You should definitely make more things in the slow cooker. Definitely. Mm -hmm. But that's not going to happen today because it's too slow. And your advice is? My advice is, based on this movie, and I've given this advice before, but think, think, don't feel. Think about why you think or feel the way you do about things. If you feel a certain way about a religion or a political point of view or an economic system or a, a nation or your neighbors, the way they raise their children or the way they deal with their dog or the guy at work, his work ethic, whatever you think or feel about that, if it turns you against that person, even on a tiniest level to where you still elevate yourself a little bit above it, or you want to convert them over to your way of thinking... Think about why you think what you think. Were you were you brainwashed into it just by circumstance, by geography, by your life? Like, I hear people say, well, my parents were Christians, so of course I'm going to be a Christian. Well, no, that doesn't follow. You know, it's not, it's not a straight line. It's like, do you not have a mind? Do you disagree with some of that? Well, of course, but I'll never go against it because I don't, I can't. Because this is how I was raised. Right. Or, you know, well, I'm an American, therefore I'm supposed to think this, this, and this about everything that the news tells me I'm supposed to think about. So if I'm supposed to hate Muslim people, then I'm going to hate Muslim people because they're anti-American. Well, why do you think that? Mm. You can give me an example of 9-11 and I'm going to say, okay, well, let's dissect that and let's find out. Did every Muslim in the entire world take part in the planning of that, execution of that horrible plan? Yes or no? Well, no, of course not. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, why do you think what you think? Now, if you get to the bottom of it and you still want to logically say, nope, that is actually how I feel. This is what I think. And this is how I, you know, I actually agree with this point of view. Then I have no problem with that. But if you have no explanation other than it's what was spoon fed to me. And or if I go against it, I'm going to be ostracized or people are going to look down on me. You know, you have to think about, don't be a puppet on a string. Like, I just don't see the point in life if you're going to follow a line that somebody else fed to you and you're born and then you do what they say and then you go out on your own. But now you're you're perpetuating what they decided you're supposed to think and then you die. 
And you've probably told other people to think the same way as you. And then they're going to die and die and die without any thinking involved. And I don't like that. So think about why you think what you think. All right. So uh, think about this. Remind you about our websites, ascully.com, sidso.com. You catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch us on uh, Stitcher, search for after the show. I noticed something about Stitcher this week that um, our podcast hasn't updated since the Inside Out one we did, which is like there's about six of them missing. Right. Um, I have contacted Stitcher because uh, there's nothing on our end that's wrong. So uh, they will fix that, I'm assuming. So just go to acecully.com. Go to acecully.com, uh, click on the word podcast. You can just see all the shows there, listen to them. Uh, you can also subscribe on iTunes. Uh, you can e- email feedback to me at acecully.com. Don't email Sid Talk. She really doesn't like you very much. And uh, finally, stay classy, Mr. Steven Spielberg, one of our greatest directors. <laughs> Wow, I can't wait till Spangoolie's on tonight, and I'm gonna say think for yourself, or someone's gonna think for you. Bye.